She said, I'm gonna hire a wino to decorate our home. So you feel more at ease here, so you don't need to roam. We'll take out the dining room table and put a bar along that wall and a neon sign to point the way to a bathroom down the hall. (laughs) (laughs) We told you we would love it, man. I can can auto-tune that all you want. No, that was great, Brian. That was amazing. Carlito, Manny, <laughs> we've got another podcast, and we got two very interesting gentlemen at the end of the table here. So we've got Brian and Larry from Waldell Engineering. Yep. You guys have trekked over to our Skylux Studios, home of our podcast. I think we should do a shout out at this point. A little point. shout out to Mark. Thank you very much for letting us record the podcast here almost every single week. Uh, we do some other podcasts someplace else, but thank you, Mark. <laughs> we really appreciate you guys being here. We're going to talk a lot about engineering. Uh, you know, like the pants got a little tight right there right now. <laughs> so, well, it's all good. Okay, on Instagram, it's Waldell Engineering, right? So, two D's, two L's. Correct. Engineering, and then on the website, it's triple W Waldell E N G. Dot com. Correct. I want to before we get into everything, we got to do a little. I was hoping you were going to tell me you hired a wino. No. (laughs) I want to do a little... Oh, hang on a second. It's history with Manny. There we go. (laughs) I was thinking about this one today. How familiar are you guys with the CN Tower? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. We actually did some work there. No. Nice. Oh, wow. That's amazing because that's what I've chosen for our little history, right? So I wanted to basically bring up the CN Tower that it was the tallest for 34 years. What was the primary reason for that tower? That was for communication. Yeah, antenna. And there was quite the dramatic event when they were trying to put that last piece of the antenna, the helicopter, which was named Olga. 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 (laughs) So Olga went up there to bring up the last piece, and it got tied with the crane, the crane that was being disassembled. And he was actually stuck up there for 50 minutes, 5-0. Wow. Trying to get free, and he was actually running out of fuel. He did get free, got out of there. There was no accident, no nothing. It was quite the feat. And so it was built on February 6, 1973 is when it started. And it went for 40 months, 20-hour shifts, five days a week, 1,537 employees. One of those was my father-in-law. Was it really? Yeah. Am I the only one that has no connection to the CN Tower here? Because I was an immigrant in Portugal. Like, what's going on here? Well, like, have you been up the tower? I've been up the tower. I've been, There's I, your connection. I've jumped on the glass floor. I, I've done all kinds of stuff like that. Did you do the uh, edge walk? I haven't done the edge walk yet. I want to do it. Have you no. guys done it? We haven't, but we actually did a bit of a, a job that granted us roof access. Really? Which, that must have been interesting. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you're up there. There's just two cables. Stay six feet back from the edge, and that's it. You didn't throw a penny, did you? Not a chance. <laughs> no, it was six feet back from a 1,500-foot, I think that's how tall it flat, is. Flat roof rules. Wow. 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 So it opened to the public June 26, 1976. Wow. And that was... History with Manny. There we go. <laughs> Let's get on with our show. So we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to engineering. So you oh. guys tackle all kinds of engineering. But all structural. Structural. Structural, but lots of different buildings. Oh, wow. Eh? And kind of what we do is we're not a big firm. We tackle little projects and just do a lot of them. So we don't go out 
trying to build the CN Tower, we do a little project in it, or, or we don't go do, you know, condos or anything like that. But, you know, if you need to do something smaller, usually, you know, day job, house rentals. Are the principles the same? I'm going to assume that a lot of stuff that you guys do in industrial commercial is applicable to residential, just on a grander scale. Is that the idea? Yeah, it's all the same. It's all physics. Let me just start the whole podcast (laughs) by picking a fight. Uh, Let me just Uh pick a fight. (laughs) (laughs) Is it true that engineers over-engineer? I've heard this a few times. Is that true? I don't want to like get negative or anything like that, but do we or don't we or do you guys or do, do you guys? I want to know if there's principles behind that. Is there a reason why we do that? I think the reason at the end of the day is is lawsuits and liability. For sure. You know, there's some things that haven't been designed properly that for for years, right? You know, there's a little bit of every engineer, every engineer company has different standards how to build the same thing. How did you guys get into it? I took it in school. I took structural engineering in school. I just always like to build things, I guess. And uh, it's one of the best professions you can get into. It's the most interesting. Being a structural engineer is like the best job in the world because you deal with contractors. You deal with like software. You deal with drawings. It's just, and you're out on site. It's just one of the best jobs ever. So that's, I don't know, that's how I got into it. How many years have you been at it? 20 years. 20 years. And, and Larry, you've been at it? For 10 years. 10 yeah. years. Okay. So there's a little bit of a difference between you guys, but you guys met or you guys, what's we're, the deal? You guys partners? We're cousins. 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 Okay. Yeah. I got it. All right. Carlito and I are not related. Thank goodness. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know if Portuguese and Croatian never mixed at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a war somewhere in the history books. And why'd you get into it, Larry? Because he told me to get into it. Brian told me to get into it. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's kind of that, uh, uh, always good uh, with drafting, building things. Didn't know really what I wanted to do. Went to school for engineering. What'd you guys study? I did building uh, science at uh, Seneca College, actually. Did that for a few years. Worked on a dairy farm, worked in construction. What a mix. We grew up on farms ourselves, right? So that's why we do a lot of agricultural work, just because we understand that industry. Basically worked in the dairy farm, finally had enough of that. 16-hour days, all that fun stuff, and went working with Brian. How was that first building? How was that? Like, I'm just trying to think of, we're in the Skylux workshop here, and and Mark's kind of cool that he's got his brand-new bike right there. And I remember (laughs) when I got my bike for the very first time when I was 28, and I had to make that first left, and how nerve-wracking that first left was. So I'm just trying to figure out, how was that first building that you guys engineered? How was that feeling, that you guys are taking something from paper, from computer to paper, to site. How was that? I remember designing something while well, doing a, my first couple jobs. You do a barn kind of thing. You do it on paper. But when you go out on site and you realize how big this building is, it's like, oh, I didn't realize how big this is going to be, right? <laughs> it's, kind of like it's on paper and it's like, wow. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Because you guys good. are doing some pretty big uh, structures in agriculture, right? So how, how large are we getting here? Barn that I was at well, it was an addition today, and the addition was 143 by 488. Wow. Total square foot of that building is going to be 95,000 square feet. Wow. And it's being used for? It's a dairy farm. And it's all built out of what? Concrete and wood. Dimensional lumber. Dimensional trusses. lumber. Yep. They're not going steel these days? There is some that are doing that. They have their advantages. Apparently, a lot of the times, uh, wood is, is cheaper. And quieter, No. For yep. the animals? Yep, for quieter. Yeah. Also allows you to get uh, better insulation in the ceiling for the winters. Cow comfort, a lot of different uh, options in that. 
I like that cow comfort. Cow comfort. Yeah, you don't want to stress them out, eh? Is that is that on the paper itself? You guys actually jot that down? Cow, cow comfort? comfort? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a bunch of guidelines that you have to follow for that are set out by the ministry. Oh, really? Uh, kind of like things like what? Cow space. How many square foot each cow gets? How many square feet do a cow? Does a oh, cow? And, well, yeah. different different cows. You talk about dairy cows. So you got to remember, so. he's a farmer too, as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we got a hundred Angus. Uh, hey, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not a farmer. I just eat the beef. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> all the all the animals are all broke down to their different spaces, and and also what the end market is. Organic pigs have more square footage. They're more about trying to raise a more humane. Oh wow. Yeah. Main pig. Chickens the same thing. Everything. Yeah, chicken. Same. All that. We all they all have guidelines that they have to meet. The end consumer demands certain guidelines and and they push for that and so there's a lot of barns that are going up now uh, so far in chickens they're getting bigger barns they're not going up in animal units but they're going up in more space i bet you there's times that you guys are probably doing a commercial or industrial or residential job and you wish that the clients would be animals and just quiet that never happens <laughs> <laughs> never happens whatsoever i would happen to me if i was an engineer and dealing with animals <laughs> We do a lot of horse barns, and the horse barns, the uh, the clients really want their, their babies, right? So they have a lot of requirements. And they want, like what? What kind of things? Well, I guess with the wood kind of thing, they want I don't know, just all the uh, more stabling your, and stuff. They, yeah, the, the high fan, end side. The of stabling's it. worth a mint that goes into these buildings. It's, it's fine cabinetry at that yeah, point. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I'd like to stuff. know more about this. But like, that can, yeah. but that also gets into like we did a horse a horse uh, barn, and we had to put rubber floors down for the horses. Why? Right. Yep. Uh, quieter, warmer. Really? No, yeah. Horse comfort. Yeah. Is it Horse the same comfort. kind of rubber that you would see in, in like gymnasiums kind of thing? Like Similar that? product, denser to take the, the loads, right? I didn't yeah. know that. Horses are very picky. <laughs> Expensive. So what goes into actually creating a structure like that? Like, so it's basically concrete. You guys are footings, piers, piles? Similar foundations to what you would do on a commercial or, or house project. And then after that, then it's a, a wall assembly of some sorts. Either it's posts or studs again. Built on site? Or are you guys doing prefabs? or It's all built on site. Built on site. Easier, yep. even through the winters? They're big buildings. It's hard to, to bring the panels in. There's a couple different products that do bring panels in. Again, they're more money. What's funny is when he started talking, he said, we only do small projects. And, these are huge. and, then, <laughs> and then he's doing a 95,000 square foot building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not always like that, but they, you know, they get into larger projects. We also do smaller projects. If you want to do your little backyard dream man cave shed, we also engineer those. This depends on what the contract or what the client wants or the contractor wants and and how much money they want to spend. I find it really interesting that you know, anytime I've ever spoken to an engineer, no one's ever brought up farming. You totally forget about where our food comes from or how our animals are taken care of. It's a great little niche for you guys. That that must be so much business. It definitely keeps us busy working. It's something that we're proud of to be a part of as well. You know, it's a good portion of it. It's also kind of recession proof a little bit. And, you know, that makes up, you know, 50% of our business. Let's get into, I want to get into the relationship. What do you guys like about what do you guys want from contractors? I find that a lot of contractors are probably intimidated by you guys. Am I fair to say that, Carlito? Well, I was going to say, I, I, you know, just talking to you guys now, I realize that I think in construction, the only people that overkill anything and don't go minimum code are engineers. But we want them to do that, though. Well, we do, but we don't. Well, when, we want when them to do it, but if the client pays for it. Well, another problem is, is when you're the contractor, you're always trying to get the job 
done in a certain way and sometimes the you know the eye beams can be too big or the alveoles are too big and you're trying to do a coffered ceiling or or, or a pocket beam in there and you want to have it flush and it's hard to kind of you know not have a big beam and fit it into place right so what kinds of things you guys want contractors to have already taken care of or be ready for uh, the way we do our business is we typically go with the deal with the contractors to begin with they're usually the ones that have the idea of how they want to build in the first place and have some sort of concept of drawings of, of how everything fits you guys work with a lot of designers yeah we work with uh, uh quite a few designers they send us the plans they have again take care of most of the design aspect or drawing aspect send it over to us say hey does this work and we just run the numbers and, and calculate the beams and lentils or whatever we need to do on it right and what areas are you guys working because you guys said you're from cambridge Yep. Mm -hmm. So does that mean you'll come out to Toronto or even go farther, like say Kingston or Belleville? Depends on the project. With the agricultural buildings, we're all over Ontario. We've done stuff up in Ottawa, Perry Sound, Windsor. You guys ever go into an older home, century homes, and restructure them? It's not a big part of our business kind of thing, but uh, we do do it. Our engineers seem to really like it. Our young engineers, they love it, right? Because the loads are just all vertical. So they just kind of, they just have design beams for taking out walls and stuff. And they seem to love it, right? I, I like the barns. I like the, I don't know, I like the agriculture a bit more. Can you explain that a little bit more? I know that Carlito and I pretend to say that we always know <laughs> what that means, but a lot of people who listen don't necessarily know what that means when you're talking about vertical loads and when we're doing like a house you don't have to worry about the earthquake loads or the wind loads it's mostly just the vertical you're taking out a wall so you just have to put design a beam you have to look at the floor system and just trace the loads down from the roof all the way down through the floors yeah design your beams design the loads so i'm mr and mrs client and i want to remove a wall because that's what mr and mrs client always ask for it doesn't matter if it's commercial space or residential or whatever What's your go-to, guys? Like, what do you guys normally do? Bring in steel, you bring in LVL. Which, what's your preference, depending on, I guess, the span? Yeah, it depends on the span and what the client and the contractor want to work with. Some guys like to work with LVLs, and some guys just say, give me a steel beam and we'll put it in. When do you stop using LVLs? Like, what's the span that you can maximize, and how many do you, can you use? Like, I heard you can only pack three now of LVL. You can't do four or more anymore. Is that true? No, I thought it was four. I think as long as it's got like full bearing under it, I haven't bumped into that, but as long as it has full bearing under the LVL, you're fine, I think, but I should I should look into that. Is this true? Because I heard this from another engineer. Is full bearing an inch and a half? Three inches, isn't it? Is it three? I'm I asking. Because I was actually doing an addition and the addition wasn't large. It was 10 by 14. And he just wanted me to put one dimensional joist, a two by 10, anchored to the demising wall, build my floor structure off of that. And I said, that inch and a half is enough? He goes, yeah, you're perfectly fine with that. You didn't run it into the side of it and put hangers? There was no hangers. It was only sitting on this. Oh. That's an inch and a half only. He only asked for an inch and a half. Was it because of the size of the addition? It might have been that the, the span wasn't that big to begin with. It was like eight feet. Then maybe then it would probably work. Full load bearing is actually three inches. Whenever we do like any of our, our steel beams, steel lentils, we always spec three inches. He's a retired a forensic engineer, structural engineer. So is he just having fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no comment on that. We don't want to throw it. We want to work with everyone. So. Yeah, but I, I think it's important to say that, that you're talking about wood right now. You're not yes. talking about metal. Because yes. metal is four inches because the posts would be four inches. I've never seen anything smaller than four, right? 
No, no, no. The lintel space is three inches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah not four inches. inches. Okay. Creations, they always add extra length. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't creation, right? No, not at all. Okay, all right. <laughs> what other interesting things have you guys come across when you guys have to build certain things? I know with the barns, they're they're pretty standard on sizing wise, and I guess pitch, and it's completely open the barn, right? For the most part, there's uh, no structural members in the center point, are there? Or depending on the application, we can span. The truss companies can span trusses up to 100 feet. Holy cow! How high are these trusses? As in how like, tall? Sorry, how tall, how tall are they? Well, a 100 foot truss, they drop the pitch to three and a quarter over 12. It is 12 feet tall. It still has to be road legal. So I guess maybe, I guess 14 feet wide. Wow. So is that considered still a flat roof? Nope. No? That, that's, that's a pitch. Flat roof is at a two, I believe. From other people I've heard, when they waterproof uh, anything under four, they consider it still like a flat roof. Oh, if you're talking about like shingles and that. Yeah. 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 These buildings usually desire have steel cladding on the roof, so they're, the tolerances aren't as, as crucial then for waterproofing. How long does the structural engineer back a building? I think our stamp's good for like seven years kind of thing, but it's kind of over the life of the building. Of the building. Of yeah, when that's you, what I would think too. So when you say the stamp is good for seven years, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I guess it is for the life of the, the structure kind of okay. thing. I was just thinking seven years just because that's how long we have to keep our records for and, and all that kind of thing. Oh, so, so after that, you don't need to have any kind of follow-up? or the, I know the city doesn't keep it after, is it seven years? Most of them just it depends on the municipality. But you'd be surprised. Sometimes you'll actually get lucky. You'll go in and you'll just out of curiosity, can you see if you have these drawings and all of a sudden they have some drawings from the eighties? You're like, Wow, I <laughs> you have those still? What yeah, is, those, that's awesome when that happens. Yeah, of course <laughs> it is. It's like gold. You find it all of a sudden saved your a headache or two, right? Well, I think all that's saved in the archives anyways in the cities, right? So every three years they put in the archive and if you have to retrieve it. Isn't it different nowadays, though? Aren't we all in all digital, or are we still doing backing up on hard drives? Well, we have our backup, like our backups. Most of our plans are digital. The stamp is electronically stamped. Usually it's emailing to clients and contractors. That's kind of just for speed. And a lot of building departments are now having their, their portals that you apply your permits on. Yeah, I know. They're making it a lot easier for us. Actually, that brings up a question of mine. I, when I was in high school, back in the 80s, <laughs> finishing up high school, we... Stevie it was at, B over here. <laughs> <laughs> it was at the tail end of actual blueprints. Do you guys remember when... I mean, Brian, you might know. When, was, when did blueprints stop? I personally have yet to see a, a blueprint on a job site today. And we know that we still call them... I don't know. Do we? I call them blueprints. Do you call them blueprints? No, I always call them drawings. That's all I, I call them blueprints, man. I guess all the younger generation don't call them blueprints, eh? Prints, drawings, blueprints. Plus, they wouldn't know what this means, eh? If you're in a car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just rotating my yeah. wrist. <laughs> that's all I'm doing. Yeah. But you have to do this now. You mean the power windows, yeah, right? Yeah, the power windows, right? So that's yeah. how you... But I guess it's all changed, right? They wouldn't know what a cassette... I actually found some cassettes recently and I was like, whoa, look at this, man. You don't want to ask me what it was for. <laughs> yeah, and it makes you feel better. Like our PDF software is called Bluebeam. Bluebeam. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out that. No, I haven't heard of that. It's the drawing reviewer program that's that everyone's falling in love with. Why? Because you guys will set up something, put it into this program or use this program for it and it will actually find... For doing markups on drawings... Um, a lot of times, the markups that we do on the drawings that we review are, are kind of standard, repetitive. I mean, you can make tasks in it, so you're not writing the same notes over and over again. And you can have like your details, the stamps are auto-dating, all our reviewed stamps are auto-dating as well. 
on the construction side, especially with drawings being done in CAD, it has a vector layer in it, which then allows you to measure the blueprints in Bluebeam. So when there's not a dimension on a certain item, you can actually put in the scale and measure fine details. I you like that program already, man. That makes a lot of sense. And, and for like contractors, you can actually go in and quote. There's quote tools in it. What's the licensing on that baby? Is uh, it it's like 350 US. That's not crazy crazy. It's, no, but it can do square foot of rooms, square foot of walls. Are a lot of contractors using it now? Depends on the contractor. If the contractor's always done it by hand, then they're going to always do it by hand. Oh, You're totally right. We're all dinosaurs, I'm a right? caveman <laughs> myself. There, there is guys that were doing it. We went to uh, a software learning pro day with, with Bluebeam, and it's pretty crazy. Some of the calculations and that that they could pull off the, off the blueprints for, for wall coverings. and. What's the website? Do you know offhand? Is it bluebeam.com or .ca? Bluebeam.com, I believe. Uh, I got to check this out. I want to check it out yeah, for sure. Yeah, a 60-day trial on it for PDFs and... And all, that's all we use. We don't use Adobe anymore. Adobe's gone. Really? Man, times are changing fast. <laughs> he doesn't even know what Adobe is. <laughs> he thinks it's a but, dog. But in this day I, and age, I, no, I thought it was a sound. <laughs> in this day and age, when, when it's all digital, that program is designed with drawings in mind, where Adobe is just designed for Word. You guys are the king when it comes to the final say regarding structure, but I find that the inspectors get on site... Yeah, you know where I'm going with this, right? So the inspectors get on site and there's something that's questionable and it's not really on the drawings. They will take your final word, even though it's not on the markups from the city. Is that correct? Most of the time, they, when something is questionable, they'll just say, hack engineer approval. That's all it is, right? Yeah, so have they, a letter. I've seen so many inspectors now that just, it just rolls off their tongue, man. It's, and, that, and it, now we make a phone call to you guys and then you guys sign off on it and then it gets submitted as part of the package for the drawings and then the city signs off on it, right? Yeah, it's again liability. That's yeah. what it is. It goes back onto whoever doesn't want the light. The city doesn't want it. The inspector doesn't want it. You guys embrace it and you guys take it and take the responsibility. Pretty much the name <laughs> yeah. of the game, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So when something like that happens, you guys call that redlining, I obviously? And he changes the red lines to the plan. And who pays for that? No, the client pays for that because you guys got to do something and then the client has to sign off on it. Yeah, right? it depends on who calls us in. Usually it's the contractor that calls us in to, to do that. So we invoice straight to the contractor. Now, would it be fair to say sometimes the contractor isn't aware of what you guys need to do and then misses, you know, like when you guys hand over the drawing, a lot of times we're just following the blueprint as many would say, uh, the drawing. Listen, I'm old enough to know what the blueprint is. And right? a lot of times we don't see things that are missing. So if there's something missing and then we didn't know, is that something that you guys will just slide by and just like sign anyways to keep the project going? Or is it always a red mm -hmm. line and a fee? <laughs> it depends on what, what's going on. Things happen on drawings. Sometimes it's, it's nice when a contractor does review the, the drawings before they show up on site. A lot of the times it's, Hey, I'm on site. This doesn't work. What can we do? <laughs> so do you have a relationship with contractors that come in and before they actually take it from you, they'll sit down and go over all the details with you guys? Or do you guys not do that? You just hand over the drawing and pretty much that's how it is. Mostly we always send the, the drawings to the clients and the contractors to review. They look over, they say, yeah, we're happy with it. And and we finalize it at that point. I mean, the only reason a contractor has not reviewed it before the job started is because he or she was lazy and just didn't want to, because there's more than enough time from the time the building process, the building permit there's all, process. There's also a, a trust in being busy. And sometimes you don't 
pay attention to those things until they happen. As a contractor, it's your job. Review You're right. the joints, But I'm man, saying these things happen. On, no, review the joints before you get on site, man. That's important. Don't no, don't make a phone call to these guys on the day of. You should have already. Well, these guys like are that. probably getting like six or seven calls from every contractor. <laughs> you guys have done a distillery. Yep. How did that go? What what kind of uh, interesting the, the end product was nice. But what kind of secretive things that I mean? I've been in wineries. I've been in wineries uh, in Canada, U.S., and Europe, and they're all interesting buildings. I haven't been. That's not right. I've been in the Jameson Distillery. It was a long. Yeah, I was there for a while. It was actually really good. <laughs> I was there for a while. <laughs> no, I just remember I had fun. It was a really sunny day. It was good. Yeah, uh, usually, <laughs> usually everyone's pretty excited to do work on those projects because at the end, we get to partake in the in, in the, the product, right? So, so the actual what are they called? The the the, the tanks. What are they called, man? The you still. Know, the the still, yeah. Yep. Structurally speaking, what do they have to sit on? Now those be on a concrete floor. That's it. Um, basically, you would get the weight of of the tank itself and how much liquid is going to be in it. We just did a tank project for Mill Street, the Mill Street Brewery downtown here. The one that's in the distillery district. Oh, that one there. Okay. Wow. And so that underneath the distillery district is a parking garage. And, and that can support it or no, 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 not. So we basically had to, uh, <laughs> uh, engineer a frame to support the weight of the tanks that are going into there. How is that engineering? What do you guys have to do? So if it's a parking garage, what's the standard parking garage these days? The uh, the actual concrete between, I don't know. Yeah. I will, well, <laughs> what would it normally be? 12 inches of concrete with uh, rebar and what the, the MPA would be on that? I don't know. The roof would be like 32 MPA. Oh, really? And um, the, the actual thickness of it, the slab? Can't recall that off the top of my head, but basically what we did was we went off the concrete columns, bolted on our steel frame to pick up the point loads of the tanks. And it worked? It worked. They weren't big tanks. It was their their new fancy display in front of the, the Mill Street Brewery when you walk in. I was really fascinated the very first time I tackled a hot tub, how heavy water is. I was like blown away when I was calculating the numbers and speaking to the engineer going, are you sure about these numbers, man? Water is really that heavy and I, I, it, it's heavy water. Do you guys know offhand what, I can't remember what it was like, but was it 10 gallons or hundred gallons? I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it's a great point. Uh, most people wouldn't even think about calling an engineer to put in a tub. No, you have to. I know, but like most people wouldn't. Water weight, human weight, depending on the human, and then the actual unit itself. So hot tubs generally are about a thousand pounds. Then there's a, a formula for water per hundred liters or something. I can't remember exactly. And then there's an assumption on what the average male, female is. And then if the hot tub's a six person, eight person, 12 person, or whatever, or even a lap pool, a lap pool is the same thing, which is basically just an oversized hot tub. So you got to factor all these things in and nobody ever wants it just on the ground. They no, always they wanted, want it on their deck. Or yes. Their yeah. Second story deck or yeah. we did a house with it on the third story deck. It's the same thing. Would you guys do LVLs there or steel? Or even did you do steel I-beams? That was a custom house that was unique to begin with. So it was all steel. Oh, wow. Eh? I know that the first engineer that came on and, and tackled it, he was just all steel. I was like, dude, do you know what the numbers are here now? Like, I can't do it this way. Second engineer came in, double LVL, 12s, 11, 7, 8s, double LVL on 12-inch centers. Then my electricians and HVACs were cursed me later on because they couldn't get the stuff that they needed to get through because it was so tight in between there. Yeah. But we got it done. But Yeah, sometimes we have to go back and uh, come up with a repair when they drill through the LVLs. That's a common problem. What do you mean? That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> Is it true? You know what? Let's get this out in the open right now because I've had so many electricians come up to me. Can you drill a three-quarter inch hole through an LVL to feed a 14.2 or a 14.3? 
As far as I know, you can't drill through any LVLs. Depends on the application and if you were to build it up again and add more plies to it, it could happen, but you're the general rule of thumb is never. You never well, drill through an LVL. You could if you're carriage bolting. Okay, that's a, that's a catch twenty two. Okay, <laughs> there's a loophole. Yeah, that's because I had to do that as well. I had to do it every twenty four uh, stepped to put in eight inch on the, when I was doing a four ply sixteen inch LVL twenty eight foot span. Generally, you don't go through them. No, but um, but you're you're laminating them at that point, so that's why. So if you're drilling through it, you're drilling through it to actually laminate the two together. Yep. Plus, he wanted uh, PL in between as well, which I thought was just too much. I don't know, but are you guys specking that as well too? PL to laminate. PL laminate, getting the torque screws. Those are fun. sweet, huh? Yeah, everyone loves those. Unless you got like a Dewalt impact gun, then your hands hurting and it's burning <laughs> up. Here we go again. <laughs> Should have had a healthy. <laughs> All right, so hang on, we got to take a little break for our what next segment? Oh, this is building code talk with Manny. <laughs> We're just getting started, so you guys, you guys are gonna know this, man. So I actually chose regarding building code, concrete. And MPAs. MPA is a mega pascal. Uppercase M, uppercase P, lowercase A. It's the measurement of comprehensive strength of concrete, and uh, it lets inspectors know how much pressure can be applied to concrete before it cracks or fails. Can you guys tell me what is the general thickness of a foundation wall if it is eight feet or less? What is the general building code specking the thickness of that concrete wall to be? Would be eight inches. Ooh, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying and to think, is this a trick question? <laughs> no, it's not. If it's higher than eight feet, it goes to 10 inches. You couldn't have picked anything harder for I, I know these guys, so <laughs> yeah. I know they're going to know it. But okay, but hang on. You guys tell me. So oh. footings, walls, and foundations, what's the minimum MPA? We use 20 as minimum. Okay, so they're saying 15, which I thought was scary. Oh. <laughs> uh, suggested strength was 20 to 25. So you guys, you guys got that one right as well, too. Interior flat work. What's the minimum on that MPA and suggested MPA? What's the application? It yeah. doesn't is it, say. Is it in the garage or does your... Uh, the garage carports are next. So why don't we okay. do that? So garage carports, the minimum MPA on that. Uh, 32. <laughs> you guys are getting all of them right, man. Uh, so you want to try interior flat work? There's interior uh, and exterior flat work. It's probably uh, it's probably like 20, 25. Man! <laughs> <laughs> unless, it, unless it's 15 like the... No, the he's got it right. It's 20, man. And inter- exterior flat work is 32. So you guys got all these right, man. That was... That was building code talk <laughs> with Manny. We've never had a guest that got them all right, man. Oh. It's like, now I feel... I thought diff- you were going to ask us the difficult ones. And <laughs> the difficult ones we send to our cold consultants. <laughs> all right, or, let, or we let, just use our software. Let's get right back into it. You know what I wanted to ask you guys is, why do we always, in drawings, backfill the garage? Why don't we maximize that space and use it part of the basement? And what's involved making that concrete slab in the garage a structural sound floor so you can still use the space underneath? Because we've talked about this where that's valuable storage space in a basement, or it could be your 3D simulation golf thing, or it could be your home theater. It could be any of that. So what's involved making that concrete floor of a garage into a structural ceiling floor? Of a basement. To answer your first question, the reason why you don't do it is cost. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's pretty much the reason why. Happens more often in custom homes when cost is, is not a, a, as big of an ordeal. There's different ways to tackle that slab. The simple way is core slab. 
this in an engineer course lab, drop in place. So prefab the slab, drop it in place, it's done. Done, yeah. And you can still run any kind of mechanical through there if you needed to. Yeah, drilling your holes. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to ask where to drill, but it can be done. Sorry, how expensive would that be? Think you guys off the top of your head. If it's a double car garage, 10 grand? What? Yeah. 10 grand? You think more? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't these, realize it was three engineers here. These, these, these guys are going to be like $5,000 just for the drawing. <laughs> what do you think it's going to be like? 20, 25 grand? Well, if we're starting at five. Okay, what's a regular pour of a garage, double car garage? Just a regular pour on grade. What's that going to cost? That's like three grand, three, four, five, five. Four grand, yeah. Regular pour. I don't know. A four I, inch I think, pour? I think uh, it's going to be a little bit more than that. Core will be 25? You got to put the foundation for the core in. Then you got to put the core in. Then you got to pour concrete on top of it. Then you still got to feed stuff through it. I mean, there's a lot of. I see 7,500 all day right there. 7,500? Yeah. Okay. And I think that one of, your, one of the answers to your question is most people never. The reason they backfill those carports is that, first of all, taxes go up. Nobody wants to pay for that area because nobody uses it up. The city doesn't need and to know. And a lot of the lots <laughs> aren't allowing for you to have that much space anymore. I think you'd have to like fight that, wouldn't you? Why? You're already putting a garage there. Yeah, and but you're already putting a bedroom on top of the garage. But you're talking about livable space under it now. Yeah, that's where my secret room is. Oh, the secret room. <laughs> the yeah, secret room. Is that the one with the leather mask? Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, a lot of time it's for storage, or we've done ones where that's a extra garage parking, where they'll have the lifts in to lower the cars down there. Yeah, I have seen yeah, that as really well, cool. too. Um, and another way you could actually do that slab is ports, suspended slab, lots of rebar. And that's it. How thick would that slab have to be? Six, eight inches? It was like 10. 10 yeah, inches. 10. And what are you doing? Twenty-five mil rebar? No, we try here. I think fifteen. Fifteen? So, yeah. Wow, that's that's just small. Make, I just put it in tighter. It's easier. Yeah. The, yeah. A lot of our contractors don't like the the heavier rebar, so we work with them to come up with solutions with rebar that they like to use. Like fifteen is a magic number. <laughs> it starts to get too heavy after fifteen. Is that the reason no. why? But either which way, it's gonna. If you went 25, it would be less rebar. So it means you would have more work, to, like you'd have more room to work with to tying and everything else. A lot of their benders and everything, they're set up for, for 15. Yeah, because they bend them on site, yeah, right? The yeah. rebar tire guns set up for 15. So that's just laziness to me. I'm sorry. Well, you, but... you can also order them already <laughs> bent. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, depending on how big it is, then you're talking, you know, two mats, supporting beams underneath as well. What's the general rule when you guys are putting rebar 15 mil? How much concrete should be around that to the edge? What's the minimum? Two and a half, right? Two, yeah. Two, well, you two inch against forms. Is that what it is? Yeah. And then three inches against soil. So why is it that whenever I'm driving on the gardener, I'm seeing all that Blow flakiness. <laughs> I'm seeing all that flakiness. Like how did that flakiness happen over the time? Was that just mother nature over time and eating away at it? Yeah. That's still salt. two inches or is that like a little bit of laziness there and the guys didn't make it two inches? Yeah. I think you got it right on the last one. Oh, okay. <laughs> 80 yeah, year, 80 I think years next week ago. we're going to have some commercial concrete guys that actually built the gardener <laughs> on, on the show. <laughs> no. no. So is, is that what it is? Because I just, I, I guess over years you start to see the lines. You know, you'll start seeing the rebar lines, which that basically is evident that they're too close to the edge. Is that the idea? I think it's just the wear, just from the salt and the, That's the winters. That's how it is, eh? and Yeah, it's just the maintenance, and it's a tough environment. How do you guys like about fiber? Do you guys ever structurally, quote, fiber in concrete, or you guys are always rebar? Usually rebar. 
We'll do five room floors. In the floors? Yep. Wow. Are you guys, don't, don't they have those new ones now? The plastic fibers? I haven't seen them yet. I thought I've, I saw I've heard plastic. people talk about them, but is that what it is? Like, where, yeah, there's the fiberglass fibers. Hey, you know what? Is there an engineer trade show? Like, do you guys go to an engineer trade show that teaches you all like it, all the new kind of stuff? <laughs> it's the same. I'm assuming it's the same construction show you guys go. So to. So you guys will go to War of the Concrete, or you guys will yeah. go to IBS. Really, it's the same one. There's no engineered one. Basically, trying to sell products to the, the people that spec it, right? So, the contractor will go to those shows. We'll go to them. Contractor say, "Hey, I like this project or product. What can we?" Does it work with, Got it. with what we want to do? Have you guys been to those shows? The ones in Toronto, yeah. Okay, uh, Construct Canada. And yep. uh, I guess, yeah, they had the concrete show as well, too. Concrete show, yep. No shows going on right now, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder why. <laughs> oh, little things happening around the whole world. One of the myths I always hear from contractors is they always say to me, engineers spend most of their time in the office drawing, but they don't spend enough time on the construction site. How do you guys feel about hearing that? I don't think that's your case. I get the sense. I don't know you guys. No, I, I, I'm just I, talking about what I've heard from guys. Okay. I always hear people saying the stereotype. Oh, you know, they just went to school. They don't spend enough time on the construction site. And I want to, I want to give you guys a chance to, to tell them how you feel about that. Carlito's picking a fight now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is true. Uh, we have a, we have a lot of co-op students on staff kind of thing that we bring in from Waterloo and stuff. And uh, we always try to get them out on site because when they go out on site, they just learn so much more. Right. It's so, a different world. Yeah. Yeah, so they, we can teach them stuff in the office, but when they're on site, they just pick up a lot of stuff, right? Does the practical say. change a lot of the theory that you learn in school? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, when you do the theory, you can design beams and stuff, but when you actually go out and see it and stuff, it's just kind of different, right? It's different when it's on paper and when you see it. It's you no, know, you got to have that on-site experience and yeah. see things. It's, and I think as you, the more sites you go to, the more comfortable you feel with everything. You you don't understand what's going on. Um, we always try to work with the contractors that we work with because sometimes they have they have ideas of what they want to do. Sometimes it's spec a different way where we spec it one way, but they say, hey, we would rather use this product, this technique. If we orient the beams this way, it works better for us. There's different ideas. And so when we're doing buildings, we have our kind of contractors that we always work with and we kind of understand how they want to work and we do that procedure with them. How are you guys liking the younger generation these days, the younger contractors? The ones that we are dealing with mostly are, are all fine. Yeah, they're um, good. Are you seeing a big crop of millennials, I guess, elder millennials, late 20s, early 30-year-olds getting into the construction business? Who's, who's picking a fight now? I'm not, <laughs> this show is about discussing what everybody wants to discuss. That's what this show is all about. So I just want to, yeah. hey, I've had my great experiences with those guys, so I'm just curious about you guys. Yeah, we've had some really good experiences and we have some worked with some that needed to uh, they're you know they're fresh into it so they need to learn how certain things go together, right? Are the older school guys just setting their ways, man? The old school, they, that, that's it. This is how I've been doing it forever for 30 years, so I don't want to change it. I don't care if you guys draw on something new. I think when you're when you're bringing us involved in it, you kind of understand what's going on and you know we do have those conversations of hey uh, what works and what doesn't work and sometimes what they want to do works fine and and sometimes the way that we want to do it works fine too with engineers there's a big difference like the younger engineers like to use the software and do all the numbers and stuff and that software instructional engineering there's a lot of old engineers that just keep doing it right they just love it they like working with the contractors these old guys it they didn't have like they had side roles right so it's more i don't know just that feeling just that experience, that feeling, they don't do the calculation every time, right? They just know how it goes. It's just the difference is profound, right? The other engineer 
doing all the calculations, doing the software. And it, yeah, but it's kind of interesting to see when you see that difference. Anything you guys ever come across that's been really, really challenging? Something that comes to mind? Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Like someone's drawn something, someone's designed something, and you guys are scratching your head going, how do we figure this out? And you guys figured it out. Well, we have clients that come in with a hand sketch and say, hey, can you stamp this? Pencil, crayons, <laughs> and markers. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah, they come in with their hand sketch drawing and say, well, we went to the building department. Building department wouldn't approve this drawing. They said, get it engineered. And then they send it, show it to us. And we're like, yeah, that's uh And you'll stamp a hand sketch drawing. We do actually, yeah. <laughs> so I we, do, we do a lot with like the Mennonites and they drop stuff and it, sometimes it's like amazing, right? No so, uh, way. Yeah, yeah so there's guys that, that do drawings and they're like the old school drawings, all the detail, all the information's there. Oh, there's an architect I, I've worked with before. He still hand draws some yeah. of his drawings. So I'm when like, they look like that, then, then it's no problem. Yeah, and but it's, it's great until you need to do a revision. Our Bluebeam software works really well for that. <laughs> really? Does it really work? It works really well. You can copy and paste and, and take different... I got to check this out, man. Seriously, you that's can, fascinating. Uh, there, there was one guy that did a hand drawing, and uh, the way he drew it, it, the spacing didn't work out. And so I was able to find wherever he wrote down the numbers, the correct numbers that I needed, copied it, put it back in the line. He called me up and said... How did you change that? <laughs> he's like, he's like, that's my handwriting. <laughs> he started and, questioning. And, you know, it didn't take that long to do, but it was just something. It was like, it was only a few. I think we wanted to change like the spacing from like thirty six to twenty four. See, I did that, but I did it in Photoshop, man, because I couldn't <laughs> wait for the architect to actually hand draw and change things to get it to the revision to get it to that stage. So I just like, man, I can just scan this, cut and paste, change it, and make them in changes, and done. And then get it off to the engineer, and they sign off, and it's done. And he's like, how'd you do that so quick? I was like, never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the smallest job you'll take on in a house? It would be the wall removal. Wall removal. So, pocket that's so beam common, or right? Beam, Clients right? are constantly asking for that. Yeah, everyone run? wants open concept. <sighs> such a headache when it comes to HVAC, man. <laughs> it's such a well, major can, headache. Can we go over this again? Like, I, I didn't feel like we. I, I got an answer totally for when to use metal and when to use wood. When do you and when don't you stop? Like, I know you guys are talking about it's a preference thing, but when does it have to change to metal? Is it it's metal usually, stronger, obviously, than wood? When you get to the, the larger spans, then it goes to metal. Okay, and what are those spans? Just so for the listeners, if contractors are listening, they know what, when they're going to be. If they're quoting a job, they don't want to look like amateurs in front of the, the uh, client. Say 18 feet. I can use LVL still. You're probably getting too close to the borderline yeah, there. I, that, that LVL will be like 14 inches deep, right? And they might not want that depth, right? Or yeah. it might be eight, like it might be really deep. They don't want that, right? So, so. What, what's a stop? 15 feet or less? And around the 15 feet, we'll spec both, right? And we'll okay. give you guys the option, right? So you can do LVL or steel. So it's like one of those things is what do they want to pay for? They want the shower, a less deep beam and go steel and pay more or go deeper and... Do the I know, but do you guys realize how heavy a steel beam is, oh, man? To get it up to, especially <laughs> it's if it's not a, really that heavy. It's a ten foot ceiling. It's heavy, man. You, you get four guys on <sighs> it. You get two hoists on either end. Then it's you're up, heavy, man. man. And then the welder puts his beams in. It's and you're done. heavy, man. I know, but you get a pocket beam. I hate renovations, and they got these big bulkheads. So you spent seven thousand dollars on a bulkhead. Instead, you could have spent nine, and for the rest of your life, you would have a completely flush ceiling. Yeah. So let's talk about the I-beams, because a lot of the young guys don't know the whole W8, W this, W that. 
Can you guys explain that to them? That's like a W8 by 31 kind of what thing. What does that mean? W8 means a eight inches deep and 31 pounds per foot. Like that, eh? <laughs> I think Manny loved that. <laughs> no, when I first learned that, I Give was him like, another one. That is really good, man. Give him another one. He's so happy. I've never seen him this happy before. <laughs> so what is the equivalent? So what is, the? I guess, the pounds per square foot on a 16-inch LVL versus... Or oh, you guys wouldn't know that one, eh? Would you? No, that's more the manufacturer. So when it comes to LVLs, the manufacturer themselves have their spec rating per square, right? Per per load or whatever yeah. it is. But with the steel, you guys know what a WA24, WA40, whatever it is, and what it's determined. Yeah, right? the, the, all the steel I-beams have their values, yeah. their book values, thicknesses, changes the weight. And then lintel, what's the maximum length you can go on a 4x6 lintel? Is there a limit before you got to go, uh-uh, got to go I-beam now? I don't know if there's a, a limit per se, but it, it every application is a little bit different where how much... How much is it supporting? It's always whatever. It's If it's just a roof load above it, then you guys can probably get away with it. If it's a second floor, third floor. And how big the span is. That's opening. that's what it is, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So that was a loaded question. Um, one of the questions in uh, Toronto's building code, they say that you can't kill more than four beams. That's why I was kind of uh, going that direction earlier on. I wanted to find out because I have gone into homes and I've seen six packs. And dun, I'm like, dun, dun. I'm like, how is that possible when in the building code minimum was four? Four. Is that true? Dimensional lumber is four max. Is that correct? When you get to four, sometimes switching to uh, an LVL, there's some cost savings there. So you're saying if you're using normal spruce, you can't go more than four. But if you go LVLs, you can go more than four? No, 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 no. The strength of four-pack LVL versus the strength of four-pack dimensional. Okay. Right? You kind of stumped us there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, yeah. I'm just not let aware it, of that let rule, us, right? We don't have all the like, knowledge in our, yeah, our because, minds. Yeah. Because one of the questions on, on, uh, on the framing when you go for apply for your license in Toronto, that one of them was, you know, how many can you go? And the right answer was the minimum, which is always the requirement for your code or for your license, was four. So I just didn't know if that was normal spruce or if that was LVL. I'm not too sure, but I wonder, I would like to know where that's from. Like, why can't you go to five if it works structurally? I was always thought works that's the OBC. They don't let it, but I don't know why they would but, say. And that's what I wanted to figure out today, why they're doing that. Because I remember 20, 30 years ago, we were putting five, six packs in. I see those houses still and there's no problems. There's I no know. shifting. There's no cracking. There's no settling. I know sometimes what we will do, depending on the application, especially they want really shallow, is we'll have like two beams side by side going through it. So you'll have. When you say side by side, they're not sandwiched together. They're like 12 inch or something? Yeah, basically you have your two walls butt up, beam A, beam beam B, that can take the weight. Wow. And then there's just a space in between. Yeah, you space, you split it up, and then you can go again right do you guys know what the strength is of a dimensional lumber like it depends on i guess the height of it right yeah i, I know the book values yeah. on it have been uh decreasing well i do know that okay so an lvl is basically triple the price of a dimensional equivalent size but the strength of one lvl to one if it's okay let's say two by ten the strength of a, a two by ten lvl versus a two by ten dimensional would you guys know offhand what that is is it triple 
not offhand like that, but it's in our code book, right? So it's in the wood design manual. Got it's it. All, different species have different strengths. Yeah, because it tells you the, the maximum st- span that you can go on it. Because well, this is all. It's also zoning too. Like every zoning has a different requirement, right? I don't know about it, that. Like they might not do the same thing in Cambridge they do in Toronto, right? Is engineering the same across the board? It's extended across the board. It's okay. Un- yeah. It's the just, Ontario building code that we're designed. Yeah. Place, right? All right. So it's all across Ontario, which is really funny because the national building code is slightly different to the Ontario building code. And then even stuff that goes on in BC is different than what goes on here. Right. Which I still don't understand that. Right. But yeah. It's still a structure. So I don't understand why we don't adopt a whole one code. Why can't we just adopt the one code across the country? Yeah. I know like Toronto has its own guidelines for certain applications. Um, I think it's kind of zone. A lot of the building code is is more for uh, energy efficiency. Um, yeah, it's, it's true. It's more geared towards that. So the Ontario building code, a lot of the requirements for that are going to uh, a higher efficient home. What are you guys thinking about the new four-story, five-story, six-story wood structures? Uh, we got asked to work on them, and we just said, yeah, we're kind of busy. <laughs> I was on one of them and I was not comfortable. Wait a man. second. Was that a diplomatic way of saying you didn't want to take it on? Oh. That's getting a little bit outside our scope. Yeah, there's some engineering firms that love that stuff and they'll go after it like big time, but we're we like the smaller stuff that we can just build out quick. Those Got big it. jobs with lots of wood and stuff. And you have to do progress payments. That's just a lot of accounting and stuff. We just rather just do the structural. If I'm obviously a contractor or a homeowner and I wanted to put a door in, I would not call an engineer for that. Huh? Say I wanted to do a walkout in a basement. That's small enough for to not bother you guys with, right? Or is no, it? No, no, but no, you that, would still no, there. A walkout in a basement? Yeah, it has yeah, to be engineered. Yeah. It has it to be does. engineered, okay. man. Because I heard there was a, a BN number that you could hire someone under engineering that has a smaller uh, certificate to be able to do that. It depends on, on, yeah, there is some building code identification people that are out there that have designers that have that expertise for uh, small structural. I'm not t- too sure where they fall under the your walkout part. I know we get asked all the time to, to do walkouts, especially when people are putting uh, a little rental unit downstairs. That's two different entrances, yeah, yep. two exits. Most people always say to me, okay, I want to apply for a permit, but do I have to now say, Say I'm taking a point load out and I'm changing two rooms. I'm putting the kitchen from the back of the house to the front of the house. Do I have to do a complete drawing of my house now? What's the matter yes. with you, man? Doing of course you do. I What's know, but so, you, so, I, I want people to hear this. This, this, is about, uh, this is about education, right? A lot of people aren't aware that you have to do a, a new drawing. Even if an old existing drawing's there, some, some engineer firms won't accept those, right? Some building departments, depends on the building department, what they'll, some say you have to have all the floors drawn up kind of thing, where some will, might just take a letter, just depends. Depends what you're doing. More and more building yeah. departments are asking for the yeah. full scope of the project. They wanted to have everything on, on the paper. Again, it's for liability. If you're renovating a basement, they're still expecting that you include the second, third, well, existing. Really? Depends on what you're doing down there. If, if you are trying to mess with point loads and stuff like that. Yeah. If you're going to underpin and you're going to change things dramatically, sure. But if you're just adding a bathroom, a kitchenette or an apartment or whatever, I, I've never heard no, of yeah. having to add the other floors. I don't think we do. I don't know. I, we don't get into that, no. that part of it. It's mostly if you're actually touching the structure. If you're doing a minor renovation, then you'd have like, I think you still only need to have some sort of drawings for that for the building department. But the billing partners are just asking for more and more documentation. Do you guys have architects that work with you guys or do you just have an in-house guy? 
No, we have our, our, our team of experts that we always work with. So we have our architect, our mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, our designers. We have our, our you know, whatever you, you come to us with a project, we can send you the right way to, uh, to go. And, and we have our little team that we all work together. We all send projects around to each other and uh, that we feel comfortable working with. Has there ever been a time when you've worked with a contractor that you had to walk from them? Because they were just <laughs> weren't making any sense or they were just, they didn't understand. Did you ever run into a point like with a, with a bad contractor or just someone that just couldn't figure it out? I think that happens all the time. You get a new contractor and you just realize after a while that he's not doing it right. You just have to walk. Kind so of what thing. happens all the time. So, yeah. Are they yeah. just stuck in their ways? Is that all it is? You know what? There's a lot of guys who just... They're just not good contractors, I guess. They're out there trying to make money, and it's just... I, I know, know, but that doesn't make any sense to me because yeah. I actually speak to you guys, and I ask you guys questions because it makes me look good, man. Yeah. That's <laughs> the number one. And it also saves your reputation yeah. of your business yeah. and your clients. Yes. <laughs> Most of the time, we want to work with contractors that you know we want to have a, a good conversation with them when we're on site and, and get along with to do the project. Because at the end of the day, everyone wants to have a nice project and don't want to have any Fast issues. Fast and easy. There's contractors that do require a little bit more work. Again, the next time when they call, then then maybe we don't take on their project, right? You'd be surprised, Carlito, because I get DMs from a lot of younger guys, the new guys that have actually gone on their own now. So they've taken that leap. They've always called up and messaged me and asked me, and they're like, do I need an engineer for this? Do I need a permit for that? And they really don't think that they do. They think I think they still live in that beginning days of when we got started where... You do things for cash, you do things for quick, you take care of that. But all of a sudden, you'll quickly, the scope of work escalates, man. You'll get a client, can I just make this window opening much larger? You know what I mean? And you really need to understand the basic principles behind point load. And why don't we get you gentlemen to tell us about point load? What exactly is point load? Go for it, Brian. <laughs> Yeah, just in a house kind of thing. It's yes. just uh, in a normal house structure. Yeah. So point load is basically what when you do something from what? Yeah, just when you have an opening and then you have the column supporting that opening or the beam supporting that opening and the columns come down, the columns create a point load. So that point load always has to be dealt with. The city wants you to make sure all those point loads are supported as it travels down the building. So yeah, we just have to you're transferring. So as, as long as you, I guess it's like if you're looking at the wall and you're looking through floors, mm -hmm. you can follow where the weight is going all the way down to the basement. Right. You right down to the footing. Exactly. And that's yeah. it. And if there's a break somewhere, then you've actually broken the point load. Yeah. But what's the term behind that? That you have a, you might have a failure, right? Okay. If, if that point load's coming down and there's nothing supporting it, or if it's not substantial enough, then yeah, you'll get buckling and, and yeah, it's not good. What's the general rule on cantilever? Yeah, for us, for engineering kind of wise, we can make any cantilever work. So, yeah, you just kind what? of just adding. Yeah, if we could we can design a beam to take a cantilever, right? So if you're designing a, a house out of steel, we can design any can like as long as the steel works, like in, as long as you have a heavy beam and the cantilever, it works. There isn't a rule on it has to be set back into the structure. Of a there is amount. rules in the Ontario Building Code, but that's when you don't need an engineer. So if you don't need an engineer and just go in the code and pull that out, they have that. Then, then you're fine. Yeah, it's covered. It's all covered in the code under Part Nine for engineering. If we're designing it, as long as our numbers work out, we put in the live load, the dead load, all our safety factors, and if that works, then that's fine. That's awesome. You brought that up. Why is it that all these new subdivision track housing crap bullshit houses I can't stand 
when you walk into the wow. model home. How and, do you feel? <laughs> and you step into the master bedroom and you start walking from the bedroom door over to the window and you could hear the dresser move. That's OSB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what the... <laughs> is with that live load and that dead load? And what is the live load and dead load in our building code? Live load is always 1.5. Okay. So that's, yeah, you multiply your load by one, a safety factor of 1.5 and the dead load by 1.25. Now you're getting that dresser rattling that way because what? The joists are spanned too the far, too long. Things are deflecting. There's the deflection. Beam, the beam is deflecting. But there is a rule in the, book, in the code book that allows for a certain amount of deflection, correct? Correct. What is that amount? That's another loaded question. It, it, it depends we don't, on the beam. Exactly. We don't know the, the length of it, the span of it, that. Yeah, but but I, I heard sometimes it could be as much as an inch. Is that true? On a, on a large beam, yeah. That's crazy, man. Like, you guys don't, as engineers, you don't, like, I'm assuming your house does not have an inch of deflection. So, on, on custom homes, usually you'll crank up the deflection on the basement beams or on the, on the first floor beams, mainly because it's their large spans. And, you know, when a customer has tile floors, you don't want those tiles cracking. No. How do you beef up the deflection issue? How do you, can you sister or double or you go into a 12 inch on center? Is that, would that help it? If you're doing new construction, you just upsize the beam. That's all it is, right? Yeah. Okay. It's just, it's just a heavier beam. So yeah, instead of a two by six, <laughs> that's probably a deflection problem. <laughs> I was recently in, in, in some other contractor's home that was being built in Forest Hill. The old part of the house had a two by four as a ridge beam. In the new part of the house, the engineer spec'd out a 12 inch LVL. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> I'm just saying. I hear, this, I hear this one all the time. I'm just saying a hundred year old house has got a two by four. It hasn't moved, but now the new version of that two by four is a 12 inch LVL. Take those cross braces out. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a lot, no? Or is that just liability just covering, being careful? Is that what it is? It's hard to say. You'd have to look at well, that. It's hard to say. Yeah, yeah. I think what they're, but, what they're doing is they're using that ridge beam to actually take the, the brunt of the load. Where okay. they old their house, they're actually using the, the lumber to nail it at the peak and, and take and distribute it that way with collar ties and everything like that. Very, very cool. Uh, some of my friends are, are building second floor additions and now they're starting to use metal webbing. How do you guys feel about the metal webbing over the LVLs? Like the two by four webbing too in the, in the floor joists. Yeah. The open they, joists, the, the engineer joists. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. Everyone has their different opinions of them. They're engineered. They work. Yeah. I know fire departments don't, aren't a big fan of them. Really? Well, it's a trap. The fire can go right through. Oh, because it's uh, it's breathable. So, yeah, it's yeah. An so open uh, over so many square feet, then you have to put fire stops in those as well. Rock yeah. sole or whatever you want to do. For Rock sole and, yeah. and actually have an asphalt on them to create a, a fire stop. Just put a plywood on them. Oh, really? That's it, huh? Same thing that you would have to do up in the truss. But then the moment that you break, doesn't it create the fire chase to run mechanical? You oh. would have to put a damper in. That's a pain. But, so now, but you're talking, now you're becoming we're talking commercial. About a big, we're talking about big homes here. Yeah. When, when yeah. you're running into issues that, like that. Same thing with up in the trusses, you're breaking fire compartments. Wow. I never knew that. So even in the trusses, that's why they don't like that. Does that change in the, in the zoning at all? It's a square foot rule that okay. after so many square feet, you have to have fire compartments in, in, the, in the attic space. And that's basically right across the code in commercial and residential as well. I got a question for you guys. It's an engineering structural question. 
We had some moron tell some other contractor that was on the show, uh, tell him that drywall is structural. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're, you're talking about the, uh, the large home divisions on that, and that's a bit of, there's a bunch of issues going on going wrong there. Can we talk about that a little bit without getting in trouble? Yeah, we don't know everything that's going on. Yeah, but, we don't know the whole story, but... A bunch of it is is that a lot of these homes are, are open concept on the basement or on the main floor with lots of large openings. Lateral movements. Yeah, and I think what's going on is that they don't have a lot of those houses that you see, and we all know which ones you're talking about. Yep. You know, they're all open concept, big window and your sliding door. All those are done by designers, and they're kind of forgetting about the, the structural side of it. But they've been passed. Is think, that because, a, hang on, hang on. I learned something. I learned something in my early days that approved drawings are not past drawings. They're approved. So it still has to be built. There's a difference. So you follow me? So an inspector told me this. But you still have to get it signed off. Doesn't matter. It still has to be built and someone has to take the liability and it's generally not the city. The inspector, did you ever notice that? The inspector no, right. always runs around the conversations, yeah, right, right. right? He always tries to get to a point or she to get someone to take the full liability. I also find that the inspectors are not on the same page. I could deal with 10 different inspectors oh, different. and they all preference. have 10 different theories on how yeah. a home should be built. We're actually going to have an inspector on the show next week. That's oh, going to be interesting. <laughs> I think uh, on those homes too, I think it, the code hasn't been updated for the open concept. That's a very good point. I think that's maybe a bit of the issue and the large windows and doors. I think that's might be more of the, the case on that. What is the danger? Because I had this conversation. When you take a, a two-story structure and you remove all the interior walls, you're putting a lot of lateral load on the two walls that support that structure to the point where if you get a lot of wind crossed that it actually will move the house is that the idea depends again on what the parameters yeah, are of the structure I, I see what you're getting at you're, you're basically saying it's basically built on stilts then yeah yeah that's that was a conversation that i was having with two different engineers and they were trying to explain it to me and i was like really i don't understand how that if this house was on it in a field all by itself and there was wind then I could understand that. But you're actually in a neighborhood where a row of houses. So I don't know how much force you would get on the side that would actually create that. And the reason I was questioning it is because the first engineer wanted to just cradle this thing with all kinds of steel, lots and lots of steel and funky custom saddles and all this other stuff. And I probably set out, I was like, dude, where's the bottle? Like, I don't understand where you started drinking here. I don't understand how this happened, man. I can't sell this to anybody. So that's why it was the lateral conversation. I, and this was all news to me. With our engineering for like big barns and big sheds kind of thing. So if you imagine it's like a big box. Yeah. Right? So the wind, how we design it, if the wind hits the side, what it does is it kind of goes, goes, hits the wall. The low goes into the ground, but most of it goes up into the roof. And you make your roof a diaphragm, right? So we designed the roof to be a diaphragm. And we can do that with the roof steel. Or we can put some X bracing in the bottom of the court trusses. Oh, wow. okay. And so when the wind hits the wall, it transfers that load out to the sidewalls, and then you put your bracing in that. So that's how you can get away with like a really big building with nothing inside kind of thing. It's just you have your four boxes, and that's what these big sheds are, right? So as long as the wind hits it, it transfers into the roof diaphragm, and it transfers the wall out to the walls, then you're fine. I like that. Eh? You control, <laughs> well, you, we control the give, right? So I guess that's what your job is. <laughs> yeah. We got to do a little segment here called 
Green Book talk with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you gentlemen are probably, oh, you guys are probably know this. Yeah, well, I don't you guys it, probably get 100% on this also. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're looking for a number for the first fine. Contractors failing to notify Ministry of Labor of Construction Project under Section 6. What do you guys think that costs, that fine? First fence. No idea. I'd guess like 1200 Whoa. I'm going to say 250 no, he got the closest. Five fifty for wow. first offense. Wow. Okay, yeah. all right, and that was Green Book Talk with me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking to Brian and Larry from Waddell Engineering at Waddell Engineering www.waddelleng.com. Correct. Correct. Okay, we have a lot of questions still to. I want to still like you guys are. I want to still talk about life safety tie offs. All kind. You guys are doing a bunch of stuff here, man. Where do we go from here? I want to really ask. What do you see that needs to be changed in construction? You guys must be looking at it and laughing a lot of the time and saying, why hasn't that changed in 20 years? Or why haven't we addressed this? I think one of the, the things that's going to be addressed one of these days, you guys are going to hate me for it, but is air nails. I think that's going to be... Fasteners, fasteners. Threaded fasteners. I completely agree with you. I think a threaded fastener, not construction screws... Threaded fasteners are far better than pneumatic nails. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm all for it too because it becomes... Yeah, but tell that to every framer. A lot of guys... Tum, 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 tum. So That's all they like doing. A man. lot of guys are going to hate me, but I only nail structural. That's the only thing I nail. So anything that's structural, I nail, and everything else is screws. And now that we have these new fasteners, I'm enjoying them just as much as you guys are. It's so much easier because if you have, if you do want to make a change or we need to alter something, we can save that, that lumber or that material and then move it over. Do you guys have a preference on those fasteners? Are you guys the true lock boys or are you guys, are, are, you, are you guys specking them? We all spec them on beams and lentils. And then again, it's what they can get their hands on. A lot of the times it's like, Hey, last minute, you know, this is what the store has. Is that acceptable? <laughs> So can this we, is what's in my van. So can, yeah. we, can we talk about, is there a difference? So they say we're going to be laminating four LVLs. We're going to be PLing in between. Is there another compound that we could put in between, like another caulking next to PL? Uh, everyone likes to spec PL. Okay. That's, that's um, kind of the go-to one. There's competitors. There's, there's the foam versions, the foam adhesives. There's all kinds of, but everyone's a go-to PL, right? And then everybody has to go 16 on center, typically you know, say we're using a, a 12 inch two by 12 LVL, what would be the nailing pattern? And would it change <laughs> if we did use uh, a self tap, like a, a self tapping screw? Man, we're putting them on the spot. Eh? No, I know, they, but they I want to know for myself. I'm still, I'm still nailing. Like you know just, what? Before you get into that, I wanted to ask Larry, why don't you like the air nails? There's some air nails that, that are, are better than the other ones. For example? Those ring shank ones are, are a little bit better. They, they have a little bit more bite to them. People are uh, doing one-for-ones on nails, and that's not... What does that um, mean? So if you spec like a three-and-a-half-inch Ardox nail, they'll put one air nail in that same location. Yeah, it happens. They don't realize that an air nail is you know, 0.6 of the strength of a three-and-a-half spiral nail. Wow. That's the difference between the two, really, huh? That much. That's why you're supposed to use a coil nail, coil nailer all the time, right? When you do all your structural. Yeah. 
And guys are using normal framing guns thinking that that's up to code. That's a great point. Well, because they went into a shop to buy their nails by the skid and they got a great deal on these inferior nails. And that's what's in the van. So I, I interrupted you there. What, Sorry. what is the, the numbers between the two again? Usually when we're looking at it, it's 0. 0.6 of a similar strength. So, you know, if you're putting air nails in, you're putting double the nails in. Wow. That's good to know. I've been nailing for a long I've always... I was always told to use coil nailers right from the beginning. So I was fortunate, but I see guys doing this all the time. You were taught that while you were on TV? Is that what it was? Yeah. Good. All right. That's all I need to say. <laughs> <laughs> TV is not real construction. That's all I'm going to say. There is real construction I'm in television. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Real construction and TV, two different planets, the moon, earth, moon, earth. You you know what? There's, there's a lot to be learned and there's a lot not to be learned. There's a lot to be unlearned from uh, TV. But there's a lot of amazing things you can. <laughs> we're, we're never going to meet eye to eye on that one. You know, speaking of which, let's have a little fun. What are you guys brand-wise, tool-wise? It's hard to read you guys, man. I don't know what it's, kind of tools you guys have at home. I mean, I'm assuming. Uh, oh, these guys are guilty guys for no sure. No way you guys are. Are you guys healthy guys? No, no way. No. What up? I, I, think, I, I think one of them, you, one of you guys are DeWalt. I was. Oh. Ah, I was. <laughs> why? Why? You ran out of pictures to hang? Uh, <laughs> I think this uh, the, the crew that I worked on, they had DeWalt. The yellow, it's nice, I guess. You could see it. Uh, yeah. It's caution. We had a, you know, there was this time when their the PR rep took like I don't know, almost a year to send out a, a prize, and after that I was like, this is silly. Really? For some contest, and it took that long to get the prize? Yeah, on a little Instagram contest that randomly won. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, ah, this is silly. And it just left a bad taste, and yeah. yeah. So and then, and then there's Bosch, and they like you win, and like the next day the drills and. At the office. So. Oh, wow. Look at that, yeah. now, so does and that? The Bosch is nice. I like it. So what are you? What have you gone to now uh, that you've changed over to to who? Well, uh, the Bosch. Um, all our lasers are Bosch, and nice, uh, nice. All, our, all our. Uh, Laser tape measures are Bosch now. Those are cool, man. Seriously, I got two of them in my holsters, and yeah, I just love really pulling nice. them out. Just like I just like having fun with them, man. They're great. I'm sorry. But <laughs> yeah, you can use it to you know tease the cat or the dog. <laughs> yeah, and so, they have the little stand on them too, right? So if you wanted to, you can get the vertical measurements as well. They got a little tripod correct. on yep. it. Wow. I love it. It's totally cool. So you're not doing much during the day, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and right, I so Brian, what are hard. you? Are you a Bosch guy? Healthy. So, well, no, he's not. <laughs> Nobody here but Brian you. Brian just borrows yeah. my tools. Yeah. <laughs> with, with Hilti, though, Hilti gets the engineers, right? Because they have all the software. They have all the books. Like, oh. they have ProFest. Have you seen ProFest? It's a free software. It designs all your connections and stuff. Wow. So they have, like, a rep who comes out to all the engineering firms, and they show you how to do, like, all of the calculations. Is they the ProFest a Hilti program? Yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing program. They actually made it so good. Now you have to, we have to actually have pay for it. Because now we're like, we love it. <laughs> they can't live so without good. it. And they're like, now you have to pay for it. We're like, okay, we'll pay for it. Yeah. I'm surprised. Uh, wow. But it's amazing. It's like, and uh, so they really got us. They, so you are a healthy guy. On the calculation <laughs> side, and yeah. we, we are all our engineers spec healthy because oh, wow. they have the, the epoxies and, yeah. and, and the wedge anchors and everything, yeah. right? Yeah. They make our life so easy, right? Uh, so. The Germans. <laughs> well, I, I, get, I guess the being easy is that they give you the literature stamped and approved, and that saves you guys a lot of footwork and totally. makes you even look better, right? Yeah. Yeah, like More. for yourself, you should check out their that Profist software. It's amazing. You could just do it yourself. You lost them at software, Brian. <laughs> you totally lost them at software. Oh man, unless it's like you know, he's still trying to find a tracks for his car to listen okay, to music. Okay, so, so so the difference between me and Manny is Manny will actually do his own footwork. I will make someone do the footwork for me. <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to get into a little bit more personal. We've been talking about about you guys and your business, but we haven't really talked about what you guys started with when you were younger. Like, what drove you into getting into engineering? Like, I know you said you just followed suit and did whatever yeah. I was told. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's everyone going back. Like, when I'm doing our co-op interviews for engineering students, they all have the Lego story. Everyone has the Lego story. So you guys all had Lego at home? Everyone had Lego. <laughs> <laughs> they like seeing things being built. Legos and Star Wars. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to see the connection because, you know, we're trying to give direction to the younger next generation. And I just want to kind of find out what made you fall in love with building and construction? You know, was it architecture or was it your friends forcing you to do our cousins? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, uh, it's kind of fun to drive by projects that you worked on because it's going to be there for quite a few years. And then that's always interesting to, to do. A lot of the projects that we get to do, we get to go into a lot of interesting places, cool factories, different houses, top of the line. You know, whatever you want to dream, someone's doing it. It must be challenging to get into the older factories and trying to retro them because I'm assuming they don't knock them down or do they knock them down? A lot of our mill rights that we work with are, are all in the newer factories. We have done some things in the, the textile factory that's just around the corner here. That was unique. What was it that you guys did? I think they were just bringing in tanks or something. Most of the time when we go in, it's they're refiguring the lines, bringing new equipment in or, or taking equipment out. You guys ever did a Lazy Susie driveway? What's that? <laughs> Lazy Susie? <laughs> never even heard that. The Bat Cave? So you drive in, nose in first, you park your car, you hit a button, and the driveway turns right around. No so then way. when you leave yeah. the house, the nose is out. That's wicked. You guys ever tackle one of those babies? Uh, Construction we did. Lazy Susie, I guess it's We called. did work. Lazy Susie. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was some guys doing some work on at a dealership, and they wanted one of those out front uh, at the corner there. I guess the kit ones that they buy just break down. Over they, time. Yeah, and they wanted something that would actually last a little bit longer. <laughs> here's, a, here's a question for you guys. You guys remember when they were building the Sky Dome, the Rogers Center, so when the Sky Dome was being built? I just go there for Blue Jays games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember that when they were doing the proposals, they were actually trying to figure out how the roof was going to open up, and they ended up going with the oldest way of structurally setting up that roof which was just the metal railroad wheels on a metal track and it was just basically you're just moving a structure along a track system other systems were like more modern versions but then i think the winning bid won it because they kept on saying this has been proven for so long never failed like the least amount of moving parts and it works and we've never had a problem because i think other cities that had retractable roof stadiums they had problems and then all of a sudden they became regular stadiums at that point. And then we've always been lucky. Skydome is what, 89, 90, I think it was? I don't know, but you really love the 80s, brother. Dude, I'm an 80s guy. I'm an 80s <laughs> you, guy. You okay? definitely had an I-Rock. I can see it. I never had an I-Rock. long hair, I-Rock. I am not that. <laughs> Diamond girl. I'm not that. No, no. Yeah, we, we've done some work uh, in that area as well. Uh, I think we did a bunch of like TV stands, the supports that hold all the TVs around the stadium Whoa. and then decorative stainless steel uh, little trench covers. What do you yeah. mean the trench covers? What are you talking about? What is that? Oh, you have like your drain covers around the stadium and they wanted to make them stainless steel and then laser cut the Blue Jays logo in them. Wow. You guys did that? Yeah. And then their design that you could drive 
a transfer truck fully loaded over, over it and over not it. damage it. Yeah. So how is that metal? What'd you guys do? How thick is it? It's one inch stainless steel. One inch stainless steel, man. <laughs> you believe expensive, that? man. <laughs> Jeez. How much was that? Like 1999 or something like that? No, that was... Or like, when did they do that? That was just done like... <laughs> no, uh, no, $19.99. Oh, yeah. yeah. No way, right? Maybe like oh. add a, a zero behind that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, one inch and then you water jet the logo into it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And that could hold that truck? Yeah, they were only 12 by 12. That's still huge though, man. Wouldn't that's, that be cool putting in your garage? That's pretty crazy. Yeah, they're, I've they're never bolted down with specialty hardware. Wait a minute. Did you guys make extras? Do you have any extras? N- no. Do you have the key <laughs> for those? You should have made some extras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they were. Oh, those would have been cool. They all have specialty hardware because they're like, guys are going to steal these. And they always thought about that part. <laughs> oh, so you guys were using special fasteners with a key kind of thing. It wasn't yeah. a regular Robbie. I am totally going to go look for those now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Like, they did, like they just updated the whole landscape around there. I'm not even going to look at the concerts or the games. I'm just going to be looking for that. <laughs> That's what I did for like the first year that uh, when we put them in, I was going to find one of these and take a photo. And some, some days you remember, some days you forget. But, and you, found, you actually found oh, yeah. them? How many did you make? I think there was uh, 100 or so. Wow. So how did you guys calculate that it needed one inch of steel? And then what about the actual openings from the actual logo itself to take that load out of 12 inch square? How did you guys calculate that? Uh, we ran it in our uh, Risa software. Or yeah, software it's like software. a finite element analysis. It's like a structural design thing. So it's like a slot machine com- computer kind of thing. You just input yeah, the stuff <laughs> exactly. In and yeah, it just, yeah. And it spits out what it's supposed to tell you. Yeah, you, you model it in our in the software and, and put the desired loads on it. You guys ever try anything that just like experiment, curiosity, see how if it would work? Like if you guys put something in there? Yeah, yeah. We've actually done it like for like uh, steel buildings. We've done like designs for like steel trusses. So we design it in our computer, and then uh, one of our clients has a a Broderson test bed, and you design the uh, connection, and you take it over and you pull it apart. And just to see, I don't know, you pull the, yeah, and the bolts fly everywhere kind of thing. Like, they're bullets. Oh, I'd love to do that. I've been to Brampton Brick, and I've seen the actual bricks do that. They do that, the press and everything, and there's a certain uh, strength at a point. And I'm fascinated by that stuff, man. That's wicked. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty curious about the Mennonites. I wanted to find out if they follow the same rules as us. Or do they get away with special <laughs> privileges? Because, I mean, they're living off-grid. They have different rules. I well, mean, there's, there's it's different, obvious, right? There's different levels of them. So, there, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of them that are just, just like us. Power, cars. Well, we got lots of Mennonites in Belleville. And I'll be running down the, tra- the tracks with my ATV. And I'll have to slow down because a buggy will be going by with the whole family. And I just never thought that they needed to have any building permits because they're not everything farmers and off grid and i just felt that they don't have to have insurance and so many other things because of the choice of life that they have basically the building department has treats everyone the same so it does uh, okay that's if, that's interesting to hear so whatever they want to build there this is like everyone so they have to accept technology then yep yeah, yeah. and there's and you know there's guys that will uh you know i was out at a barn being constructed and they all had gas power tools no way. Oh, come on. That's not fair. That's like cheating, no? No, that, that was a... I mean, Carlito and I, we should build a barn one day without power tools. The hand crank drills. Yeah. And all well, that. I, yeah. I'm not even kidding you. I collect antique tools, so I've got all the tools we need. <laughs> <laughs> we just need a little bit of muscle. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take a while. A, a modified um, uh, weed eater with, modified weed eater with a drill attachment on it or... Uh, 
Well, a chop saw? No, that's cheating. You can't. Well, Manny's got a donkey, a oh, Portuguese God, donkey. We, we can just no, run on a the track. The donkey's creation, okay? <laughs> that's Manny's creation. I want to do a second parter. Are you guys good with doing a second parter? Sure. I want sure. to continue because there's you still. You just want to ask us more tough questions. I just <laughs> want to ask you because you got, we haven't even touched on on beams and all this other stuff and and walls and, and and I just want to keep on going into that stuff. So for now, let's wrap it up. Oh, okay then. <laughs> so thank you very much, Brian. Thank you very much, Larry. We will be back to do a second part with you guys. So Carlito, get us out of here. A boom, boom, a boom, boom. Thank you. Really appreciate it. So that was at Waddell Engineering on Instagram. You guys are only on Instagram, right? Uh, we're on everything. Oh, you guys are on all the platforms. Everything. Just Facebook. like all the cool kids. Yeah, Facebook. But everything's Twitter, all at Waddell Engineering, TikTok, right? TikTok. Oh, you guys are on TikTok too? All of them. Oh, man. Look at that. Are you getting this out of here? That was a long beatbox. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually like a couple seconds. This people, isn't, just people, by the way, for record, this isn't pre-programmed, okay? People actually think it's like pre-recorded. My lips, my lips get a beating out of this, okay? <laughs> so it's a regular weekend and I gotta watch Get us this, out of here. I got to watch this mic now. <laughs> That's your mic. It stays your mic. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. So we want to do a follow-up for this one because there's lots more questions. Then I'm just going to leave get it with the 416, baby, T.O. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> <laughs>